It is indeed a pleasure to have this privilege to play here for you. And we, we intend to give you a very fine program, so just settle back, relax, and enjoy the moment. 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 All right. Hey, let me turn my headphones up. All right, everyone. Y'all hear me okay? <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to Mic'd Up on OM. This is your host, Mika Gatz, and I'm here. I'm going to make sure I can hear all my guests in here. Uh, I'm here. Very special day. We're here to discuss Medicare for All. I'm going to just ask Nick to just say, what's up? Hey, what's up? Okay. I'm going to ask my other guest, Kathleen. Catherine. Catherine, yes, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Catherine, how you doing? I'm good. All right. Real quick, Glad though. Glad to be here. Yeah, can you hear yourself? I want to make sure you can hear yourselves. Oh, yeah, I can uh, hear myself. Okay, I'm the only one that has, I have tiny ears like an elf. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the point is I can hear you, so that's a good thing. Okay, so we're here to discuss Medicare for All. I really want this to be a, a, a just a great conversation, right? Mm-hmm. I want us to not just, um, I want people to learn more about you, Nick. I want people to know more about you. I want. I want us to to just really walk away and, and like one thing I'm trying to do y'all is get away from the punditry get away from the cable news noise and really talk about these issues because I think they're 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 discussed in a way that does no service to anyone trying to learn more and it's either fear-mongering or just misinformation or disinformation so I want to make sure that um that I, I definitely, um, we demystify some of this. So I'm going to start over and just have you introduce yourself, say your name. If you want to say pronouns, you can. Your name and, and your title, whatever title you want to give. Sure. This is uh, Nick, uh, nice Ruben. Um, he, him. Right. Always do the pronouns. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a local activist based here in Charleston, and I'm a field organizer with the Debs Jones and Douglas Institute. I'm going to learn more about that. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Okay. And I'm Catherine Isaac. I'm the executive director of the Debs Jones Douglas Institute, which is working on Medicare for All. I'm, oh. I'm she, her. Okay, thank you. And I'm Mika Gass, and I'm she, her, and hers. Yes. All right, because I never do my own, even though I ask everyone else. <laughs> All right, so I just wanted to, like, again, just lean into this conversation. And I, I'll start with you, Catherine. Like, just for, in a nutshell, uh, what your elevator pitch, what is Medicare for All? Mm-hmm. Medicare for all means that everyone would have access to great quality health care because we're going to take the profit motive out of health care. And if we take the profit out, we're going to have enough money to cover everybody with fantastic health care. Okay. And that's, and that's amazing. I think that that to me sounds very appetizing. I think that's not a, <laughs> a, a foreign concept, right? You know? Yeah. So let me ask you, um, Nick, how did, so you're based here in Charleston, right? Yes. Tell, uh, tell me more about like how people would have seen you because I've seen you everywhere. So, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, no, if you, you would have seen me everywhere. <laughs> um, right. I, I've done a lot of stuff over the over the years. I was involved with Occupy way back in the day. Oh, wow. Um, Charleston Food Not Bombs for the last 14 years. Okay. And um, I'm also one of the officers for the local Charleston DSA. Okay, and that's amazing. I know that that's where you and I interact a lot on uh, social media. That's right. So what's the DSA for those who don't understand? The DSA is the Democratic Socialists of America. We're mm-hmm. about a 60,000-member um, Democratic Socialist Organization mm-hmm. across the whole country. We've got chapters in every single state, and we have three chapters in South Carolina. So you're progressive. <laughs> I would say left, but yeah, progressive. Yeah, <laughs> you like saying left? I like left. Really? Why not progressive? Because it's because the think negative left connotation. Is, no, I think left is just a, a more apt description. Okay, yeah. absolutely. You know what? And also, oh, I forgot. 
supposed to say uh just give a little disclaimer yeah we're talking about things that are political and you know what everything's political so i don't really like to put like i don't like the police conversations i like to have candid conversations but i do know that on radio um it it, i i have to say that we are a non-partisan radio station the views expressed during this show do not reflect those of own radio or staff or the sponsors or anything like that and in fact i think we're this this conversation between these three people right here myself and my two guests um we, we probably have diverging um like divergent um opinions uh, and that's great that's why i like having those conversations so um we just want to say that this is nonpartisan discussion we're not we're not talking about any one candidate and that, that's what i want to demystify Catherine. like Medicare for all might be people might think of one specific political figure when they think about that. But what do you want to encourage people to think about when they hear Medicare for all? I think getting the profit out of health insurance is really what the big difference is. Right. right? Um, About 25 cents of every dollar we spend on health care in this country Mm -hmm. goes to profit or driving profit, making profit, wow. right? So we bill people, we collect co-pays, we put deductibles in front of people, and mm-hmm. all of that creates this huge bureaucracy mm-hmm. that uh, costs a lot of money. Right. And we think if we just took that away mm-hmm. and used the existing Medicare system where we improve the services and we extend it to everybody, right. and this is what they do everywhere else in the world. Right. It's, not, it's not really something new. And so when you say it's not one candidate, This concept has been around forever, right? right? Mm -hmm. Canada passed it in the 60s, right? And there's been been a movement in this country for almost that long to get this system. Because if you poll people, they they actually want what's described as Medicare for all, correct? Mm -hmm. That is right. right. They just maybe don't know what to call what they want, right? It's almost like, um, I remember, like, Obamacare, and I'm using air quotes for it. I know this is radio, so use the theater of the mind. (laughs) I'm using air quotes um, to say Obamacare, even though I don't like calling it that, the Affordable Care Act, right? But I know that in some conservative states, um, the the constituencies didn't want Obamacare. So, like, in Kentucky, they called it something else, like Key something or something with the name Kentucky, and it's so popular because it saved lives because they really, really needed affordable options and people just they needed that and so when the current administration started to chip away at it it actually started to disenfranchise those folks and my point is like once people get the care and see how it works they don't care what it's called um they just want to they want to be well they want to have access to health care and i think that's the thing i really want to elevate this this discussion around this um and then nick let me ask you something you know you use the word socialist and yeah. so is that the boogeyman? Should I be afraid? What, what, why do you think people are so put off by the word socialist or the ideology? Well, I mean, <laughs> a big jump would be the, you know, the Cold War is right. a big thing. But I think, you know, going back to the Medicare for all, people mm-hmm. like to, you know, call this socialized medicine or call it <clears throat> yeah. socialist yes. medicine, right? But really, this is just us moving healthcare into the realm of every other public good. Uh, libraries fire protection, roads, things that we recognize are important for a community's health. Not just like our bodies, but like the environment that we live in. How do we get divorced from that though, right? No one thinks twice about helping uh, funding the police or the fire department or essential services. Why is healthcare, why is the profit there you think? Well, Uh I think, I mean, Catherine, chime in here (laughs) on this too, but yeah. yeah, There's a really powerful industry obviously that's making a boatload of money off of our backs, right? right? Is this big pharma or like what? I mean, it's big pharma. It's all the insurance companies as well, right? And they're going to fight us to the Mm -hmm. death to, to keep 
right. you know, that money flowing, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, and just to, to pick up on what Nick was saying, too, about the public good, right? I think there's a, this is another place where there's a lot of confusion. Mm -hmm. um, and we like to say that what Medicare for All is, is it's, um, it's public insurance and private care. Mm. So this is not the government <laughs> running your health care right. system. You're going to be able to go to any doctor you want. You're going to be able to choose a hospital and a clinic. Right now, most people can't do that because they're in networks, right? right? This removes all the networks, okay. right? And it's just being paid for by the government. Right. And that's what Medicare is. That's what I, I was just about to say that. So I'm like, I, I love to say to people, yeah. so when you turn 65, right. are you going to turn down Medicare? Let me tell you something. And as someone who's taking care of, not taking care because they're not invalids, but someone who is um, very close to her aging parents, like, my mom needed a knee replacement, and she's she just turned 70. She Don't get mad, Mom. Um, but she just turned <laughs> 70, and she had a knee replacement. And But I, I, I didn't know at first because I... I'm not, I wasn't as familiar with Medicare, like, so I wasn't like, okay, do, do we need to pay or how does it, and to see that it's taken care of because, you know, and, and, and that we didn't have to worry about that burden of something so essential as having a knee replacement. I'm like, wait, everyone could have, this. <laughs> like, everyone could have this. Exactly. And she went to the doctor, she chose, she went uh -huh. to the doctor she wanted. I know it's, it's a little different with Medicare, but she essentially went to a place she trusted and, and, um, yeah, it, it, we worked it out and, um, yeah, I, I just don't understand why. Yeah, I, well, I do understand uh, um, why some of this has become political. Like you said, the industries really work hard to um, put out marketing materials to to make sure they are um, they get the attention of our elected officials. And I don't want to make it too much of a boogeyman thing, but can you tell me what things are at play to confuse people, or what's out there? Perhaps the propaganda. What where would people run up against that a lot, uh, often rather? If that's a I don't know if that's a unique yeah well I mean there's I mean <laughs> again there's you know this entire industry right. that makes again a ton of profit right. off of people's you know putting a, a fee on getting care right and they've got very deep pockets yeah. and you know they're not going to give that up very very right. easily so those those industries are but you know there's also you know ideological mm -hmm. people enemies on mm -hmm. this on this front right. people who who genuinely just feel like you know everything should have a price tag yeah. this like ultra capitalism right it's like everything in the world needs to be yeah. you know well, on the market exactly mm -hmm. including health but your yeah. health isn't a commodity it's right. not something you can separate yourself from that's right and it's not things that happen to you that are not they're not your fault and no mm -hmm. that's the other thing i see happening too people people blaming certain things on people I'm like no this is human to to get sick and into things that happen and oh, yeah. I, the way we even like ascribe blame to people who, who go through certain life challenges is, is gnarly as well. Yeah, you mentioned capitalism, which um, is something I definitely, over. I would say the last two years, I really, really honed in on like understanding how capitalism helps, hurts. It, for me, it, it, it hurts. I'm, I, I don't identify as a capitalist. I like that they, I have to participate in it. We all do. Yeah, look at, I got the solidarity fist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Nick. But, um, uh, it's just, it's, and I'm not here to, to, to persuade anyone to, to lean into anything, but um, it's really, it's really worth looking into capitalism in terms of how we. Um, Coretta Scott King did a speech at Harvard after after her husband was assassinated, and it was all about like it felt like 
so eerie because it could be so applicable today and it is and it was all about the the technocracy and, and things becoming a technocracy and also the thingification where how hard you work is valued over you know anything else and what you produce is how we kind of uh, define people. You're listening to 96.3 FM on radio. I'm your host, Mika Gadsden. This is Miked Up on Om. I'm here with my friend, Nick, and uh, hopefully my new friend, Catherine. Absolutely. <laughs> Catherine, again, we're the organization, because I'm so horrible at this. Yeah, it's the Debs Jones Douglas Institute, and it's named for yeah. labor champions, Eugene Debs, yeah. Mother Jones, and Frederick Douglass. Can you tell people who Mother Jones is? Because I know a lot of people like might read some articles from a, a Mother Jones. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mother Jones, <laughs> also known as the miner's friend, was a hellraiser extraordinaire in the early 20th century. Uh, she worked with the Western Federation of Miners. She fought against child labor. Uh -huh. She was a champion and a fighter, like literally to her dying breath. Wow. And she was a real firebrand and a real inspiration for a lot of the, the labor movement. Yeah, and I wanted to ask, um, either one of you can jump in, like how does labor correlate with Medicare for all? Yeah, like, or yeah, I hope I used the right word. Well, how does it connect yeah, with it? Yeah, no, th that's a really good question. <laughs> um, so um, our organization works really closely with a group called Labor Campaign for Single Payer. So yeah. Single Payer is another name for Medicare for right. All. And um, there are tons of unions that are behind this, right? Oh, wow. Because I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because unions, one of the things that they do for their members is they bargain over health care, not just wages and, and working conditions, but health care, right? And so unions every day at the bargaining table face pushback from employers who want workers to um, bear more of the burden of mm. paying for health care right. because employers are actually paying more, exactly. right? Those employers who actually offer health care, and that's another problem mm. that we can talk about, yeah. right? But there are a lot of unions out there that support this because they want to take health care off of the bargaining table mm. so that they can concentrate on wages and working conditions. Okay. And I, that's, I, I did not know labor unions were behind that. Now, we're in a state right now that's so anti-labor uh, union, anti-worker, anti-everything. You know, um, when I first relocated here, I used to moonlight as an Uber driver. And when I, I used to work at night intentionally because that's whatever. Um, and so I would pick up a lot of folks from Boeing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I remember having this one conversation with this dude. And he was like, yeah, the pay is great. And um, he's like, but I just never get to enjoy anything like I, I i'm i have to work mandatory i think mandatory overtime at that point and we all know what happened with boeing in terms of certain objectives and productivity in 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 some disasters that that occurred um oh gosh i do not want to talk about nikki haley today i almost went there <laughs> not want to talk about nikki haley today but we know what happened with boeing um and we know how they've they you know they they tried to organize there yes. and it was thwarted but i i always think back to that conversation with that young man about if he had some representation you know, his his work life balance would be markedly different. It would be improved. Um, but yeah, so what? How do how do you make strides? Either one of you, how do you make strides in a state that's so anti union? And some of the propaganda with it is is bananas. I've never, and I'm oh. from Jersey, so I my dad. I'm sorry, but like, and I always say this is like mic'd up bingo. I always talk about my dad and my mom and everything. But um, but basically, 
Um, I, I grew up with really positive attitudes towards labor unions. Like, mm-hmm. So, yeah, how do you do your work here? Well, listen, I mean, one thing I think that needs to be elevated here is that the South Carolina AFL-CIO yeah. endorses Medicare for oh, All. Wow. The That's current awesome. president, yeah. Charles Brave, yeah. is going around the state <laughs> talking about Medicare for All. Oh, wow. I mean, labor in South Carolina understands yeah. that Medicare for All is incredibly important. And yeah. kind of to jump off what something Catherine said— Unions in the United States, representing the majority of organized labor, mm. support Medicare for all. Wow, that's support important. Support Medicare for all. It's right. incredibly important. But to right. South Carolina, I'm, I'm, more or less mm-hmm. from South Carolina, and you know, we have a very rich labor tradition. There's this the textile strikes. Oh, up in Pelzer. Yeah, in okay. Honeypath. Really? I mean, there was a massive strike up in the Upstate that a lot of people don't remember. I mean, it was a pitched battle between organized wow. labor and the local police and mill owners. Wow. Yeah, wow. and then obviously down here in South Carolina or in Charleston, mm-hmm. we have the ILA. Yep. And you know, they're an extremely powerful Very. and important union in yeah. in South Carolina. The entire economy of South Carolina is built on their labor. Absolutely, and it's African American, predominantly African American. It is, um, which is another thing I think people don't talk a lot about um, because there is power there. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I, I wish that some of these other like manufacturer, you know, working folk um, would look at the ILA and say, "No, it's not that. <laughs> it's not the boogeyman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not someone taking money and." <laughs> I don't know. I, it, it's really uh, weird down here. Um, and not that I'm not trying to be um, I'm not dismissing folks. I get I get that there are concerns and the culture is different. Um, but I really think that if people really evaluated their options, they might think something different. Yeah. About working. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, and I really think this is what Charles Brave is trying to yeah. do, too. Right? right. He wants to show that the labor movement is working for all working right. people. And I think when when we stand up for fair wages right. for everyone right. and health care for everyone, then folks see the value of the labor movement and, and I think would be more receptive to trying to organize at their own workplace. So we all know right now it's an extraordinarily busy time in South Carolina politics. Mm-hmm. And almost I get called every day from news outlets, uh, candidates. Um, I am, of course, full disclosure, I am someone who personally – personally endorsed Elizabeth Warren and supports her um, supports her however I know that I've spoken with and interviewed tons of candidates and operatives and everything like that Catherine with with all this going on is is your organization trying to navigate that or you know yeah we are Mm -hmm. and um, it is one reason we're here Um, we want to get more information about Medicare for all out to voters right and we want to encourage them to consider issues like Medicare for All when they go to the ballot box, so right? I, is that going to happen? Yeah, okay. we have talked to thousands of people across the state, okay. and we've got uh, we've got folks signing a pledge. Wow. It's a I'm a Medicare for All voter pledge, wow. and people are eating it up. Oh, I wow. mean, people want to know more about this, wow. and they want to know which candidates support it. And I think oh, they're okay. going to I think it's one of the things that people are going to vote for. We know health care is at the top of lots of lists yeah. of political uh, issues that are important. OK, mm-hmm. so so people are clamoring for it. Um, so if they go to the elections anytime this year, will they see it on the ballot or not really? They won't see Medicare for all as itself on the ballot. Mm-hmm. But there are candidates that support 
Medicare for all. Right. Um, and then there's obviously candidates who don't support Medicare for all. And there's this third mm -hmm. category of candidates who don't support Medicare for all, but say they are supporting Medicare for all because they use the phrase Medicare for all in their own health plan and has nothing to do with the campaign for universal single I'm gonna payer. Play a silent, I'm going to play a silent game. Is it? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. No. All right. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. But there are some people who like to use the terminology because they know that it'll it'll resonate with certain people. Certain small town mayors. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> is that oh, nonpartisan? That's not nonpartisan. <laughs> I almost like fainted. It's so funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. This is Mike the Phone. Oh, I'm your host, Mika Gaston. and we're having a nonpartisan conversation about Medicare for All. Actually, it's so cool. I love that. No, yeah. you, you're you're on. You're you're fine. Well, yeah, and yeah. So yeah. So some people are using that rhetoric. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I, I know what you're talking about because that that person's also presenting like an option and another. Like, hey, yeah. you can have this and that. Like, yeah. that you got it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, that's it exactly. <laughs> and what we're saying is, you can't pay for universal no. health care and, and keep private insurance. That doesn't mm -hmm. work. Right. No, yeah. Work. And I was like. And there are other yeah. candidates who are yeah. also they're yeah. using well they're using union members and they're saying union members yeah. want to hold on to what they've got right, right? yeah I've talked to union I heard that a lot I've talked oh, yeah. to union members who say I'll give it up today right wow. because we also know as soon as you lose your job what happens yeah yes right your you health care yeah. is gone yep mm -hmm. it's you get only, some letter about Cobra or yeah, something it's, yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah. Yeah. last time I switched jobs. <laughs> My Cobra, yeah, $1,600 a month. Wow. A similar, similar instance, instance with mm -hmm. me. And I'm like, yeah, that's not, it's not tenable. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm getting up there. I know people like, don't let the skincare routine fool you. <laughs> like it's, it's getting up there. I, I need insurance, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and I need, I need to feel like I, I'm not have to bounce the job to job and, and turn down good opportunities or, and sometimes the employers are in a fix. Like I remember I used to be, um, uh, a vice president in training with Trader Joe's a few years ago before I moved down here. And one one thing I realized, um, I learned, and I was so happy to see that Trader Joe's, and this was up in the Philadelphia metro area, people would come to Trader Joe's to get employment, and they would work like 18 hours, like under 30, and they were entitled to full benefits. Now, of course, mm -hmm. the Affordable Care Act kind of disrupted that. But my point was pe people would, would find this employee, they were able to work like a part-time job, to get this, and they might be been realtors or some sort of entrepreneur on their own, is two things came to me. I'm like, wow, it's great that Trader Joe's let you get full benefits under 40. That was great. But the other thing was, wow, why did they have to get a part-time job to get access to health care, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, if you're a realtor and you, you're already probably working over 40, you know, in your in your primary position, like wh why would you have to? So it was like, wow, and 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 you know, that was kind of a lesson that I learned that especially families mm -hmm. who needed to provide for their children. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's this really weird thing we do in the United States where we have uh -huh. insurance tied to your employer. Right. You lose your job. Yeah. You weird. lose your insurance. But I mean, really, I think about this. <sighs> I mean. I'm pretty sure everyone has worked a job that they did not like, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And whether or not the job was unfulfilling, or maybe you worked with people who were abusive or just really, you know, were were people you needed to get away from. We'll just a, leave it at a that. Pizzeria right? flashback from <laughs> sixteen with pimples. Yes, yes. But like, <laughs> you know, if you are if you are in a position in a in an in an employer with an employer, mm. and 
you need that health care. Mm-hmm. But also the work environment is one where you need to leave right. either for your own, you know, for your for your mental well-being yes. or even for your physical well-being. Yep. It's like right? staying in an abusive relationship. It's exactly because what it of is. the financial piece, right? Yeah, yeah. and like yeah. it's just this crazy, yeah. crazy idea, and the idea that, you know, with Medicare for all, some of the the opponents are you know saying it's like we want to, you know, throw people off their yeah. their private insurance, and that's actually it's quite the opposite. We want to throw private insurance off of off of people, right? And <laughs> really, the idea that people love this their employers insurance right? right this is yeah it's a very strange it's a very strange idea to me like yeah. that medicare for all is going to quote take away your yeah. choice right well, you don't really have a choice your your employer does right and you know what you can keep your insurance as long as you work there unless your employer decides that you can't and in that, which case you don't have a choice at all and that's what a lot of i remember working for an employer and like yeah they might switch and then coverage will change and then i had friends with families and like okay well Okay, I'm gonna have to. I don't know if I can stay on this insurance. Maybe we have to get on my wife's insurance. And it was all mm-hmm. this this dance because employers had all the power to kind of just change things at, at will. So how do so the other common refrain I hear? Well, who's gonna pay for it? All this free stuff. Who's gonna pay for it? <laughs> Someone said, "Name it war" on Twitter. I'm like, "Oh uh, yeah," because the government not to get. Well, let me stop. Okay, but yeah. So how do we? How does it? How does it become funded? Then is this going to put us in deficits? Is this going to make us spiral out of control? No, mm-hmm. because we're going to get the profit out. So okay. a lot of the money that we're already spending right. is going to now be redirected to care. Right. 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 And we're also going to shift the burden because right now. Working people are are shouldering the burden right. of our expensive health care system, right. right? There are employers out there who don't offer health insurance for right. their employees. Right. Employers are going to start paying into the system, oh, right? Oh, I see what you're yeah. saying. Oh, really? It changes. The, it's a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift yeah. that also has a lot to do with income inequality. Yes. Right? <laughs> this is going to be a massive shift, right? Right. right. The rich have been stealing our wages, our money mm-hmm. for the past 40 years, Talk right? About it. It's time to yeah. get it back. Right. So, employers, most employers who are offering care now are going to pay less wow. because they're also shouldering more than their fair right. share right. because they're being responsible, right. right? Absolutely. So, so all employers pay in. Okay. Um, and then we're going to tax right. the rich right. and you know that's going to be part of it right mm-hmm. there are plenty of ways to do that there are probably you know 50 different schemes out there for for taking some of of the wealth back right? you're in charleston catherine you scare a lot of boat owners mm. multiple boat owners out there i'm i'm sure i am <laughs> but like we like to give some examples of like if you're if you currently have um a million dollars in wealth right right and you have to pay the one percent wealth tax. Right. You're still gonna have something like point <laughs> eight five million, um, right? It, and and if you are a billionaire, right. you got one billion dollars and you pay the two percent wealth tax, you're still gonna have enough money left over to spend fifteen million dollars a year for the next fifty years. Right. That's right. A, it's a That's lot, a lot, of, lot money, of money. Right. Yeah. And so I don't feel too sorry for for the ultra rich. No. Right? right. And and this will be, you know, we'll do this in a progressive way. Right. Meaning that you kinda pay, you know, if the if if, if there is a payroll tax, some right. candidates want a payroll tax right. to go up. You know, we already pay a Medicare payroll tax. Right. 
That's already that's there at the bottom. That's 1.45%. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and employers pay in on Medicare tax, too. Oh, they All do? All employers oh. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't even know if I, okay, yeah. I didn't know that. So the, the mechanisms are already there, too. We could just increase those right. taxes a bit. But as an individual, you'd no longer pay a premium. Mm-hmm. You'd no longer have a deductible. So when they say costs will go up, yeah, of course. So, so there might be some taxation, but you're not paying a deductible. I didn't mean to cut right. you off. I just no, got, you're right. You're yeah, you're not right. paying a deductible. And what else are you not? Like, Co-pays. Yes. Um, premiums. Yeah. Premiums. Yeah. yeah. No All surprise that. bills because no, right. it's not going to come Aspirin that way. Yeah. cost them $50 yeah. or something right. crazy. Yes, Nick. Well, I, and I, I just want to talk about yeah. the afford, you know, the how are we going to pay for it thing as well. Yeah. You know, again, you know, what we're talking about, universal single payer, Medicare for all, this did not just kind of spring from the ether. Like mm-hmm. we, this has been a movement building for, for, for decades. And as such, we actually have a ton mm. of research on paying it. Not to mention, you know, other countries obviously have figured this out. And mm-hmm. I guess people who are opposed to this think that we're just not clever enough. <laughs> but there was a study published in 2018, 2018. Mm-hmm as I think how most people would probably say that. Uh, the University of Amherst, Michigan, released this thing called the PERI study, P-E-R-I, mm-hmm. right? And this is an economic analysis of Medicare for All, and it showed step-by-step, basically, how we can pay for this through, like, very simple, very straightforward methods. Um, and it's just one of many. There's actually, um, I think it was, like, maybe two weeks ago, mm-hmm. the Public Library of Science and Medicine Journal did this meta-study of all this research mm-hmm. on universal single-payer health care 30 years worth of it wow and of the 22 studies that they looked at mm-hmm. 86 of them 86 percent showed that health care would be reduced health care costs would be reduced in the first year all of them showed a reduction in cost over a decade wow and that's the thing i think people need to get over the the initial adjustment period and mm-hmm. understand that over the long haul how it'll shift but you know honestly this is a culture question i think this is a culture issue like people have to um, it's almost like, um, you know, there is a candidate that it, that identifies as a democratic socialist who's running for president, right? And I think maybe 20, 30 years ago that really felt and was taboo. Yeah. Um, but now we 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 read books. Google is free. <laughs> the <laughs> library for most and for most is accessible. We understand that like socialism isn't a bad thing. And this is not. I'm not speaking in favor of any one candidate. But just like we've gotten used to that term, maybe it takes a while for people to get used to Medicare for all. So what type of culture changes need to occur? Do you think just more of this kind of conversation? Yeah, that's a great question. And Mm -hmm. I think definitely more of this kind of conversation. And people need to, we're we're doing a lot of um, meetings around the state. Mm. And uh, we've done a whole bunch of luncheons. Okay. And they've been organized by um, local community folks. Okay. Right? Yeah. And then they invite people they know. And they invite people they know. Right. And they come together and there's some trust there. Right. Right? Right. Um, And so... I think people's minds are open when they're in a comfortable, mm-hmm. um, trusting situation. Especially that, in the South. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. right. And so, um, you know, up in Orangeburg, um, we're working with a woman who is on the city council and has uh, taught at Claflin. And she organized a luncheon. Uh, her name's Miss Kit. And she put together this fabulous luncheon, and people came, and, you know, they're just really open. They had tons of questions, too. And I think lots of times people are, are a little shy about asking questions if they don't know the speaker well, you right. know? Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. So, and so, I mean, it's it's just what you're saying, though. You know, use, use come to people where they are right. and start talking about their concerns and 
and explaining how this would work. Right. And the thing we have on our side, too, is <laughs> everybody knows somebody who's on Medicare. Right. I'm and, telling you. And yeah. everybody thinks they're going to get it someday, right. right, and want to get it someday, right? right? So that's a really good place to start. It's a safe place to start. Yeah. And when it was, when it was implemented in 1965, the original proposal was that it would cover everyone. Yeah, I remember that. I remember yeah. reading that, and it just got chipped away. Yeah, people, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I really, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Um, well, I, I just kind of wanted yeah. to, I just wanted to say something, kind of going back to your original question yeah. there, this, what what kind of values, what kind of mindset do we need mm-hmm. to have changed? You know, in the United States, we obviously have this very individualistic mindset. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, and healthcare, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, it's a public good, mm-hmm. right? It, your health impacts my health in right. a lot of different ways. Like, m- most obviously, if you get sick and we're hanging out, yeah. I'm going to get sick too. Right. But, you know, we need to think about these big social issues, not as individuals, but as, as a group, as a community. I think that's real. Like, I think you're right. And um, I, when you, when Catherine, when you were talking about work, um, I kind of thought about that too, um, just in terms of like, or or not just work, I guess how we chip in and pay for this, right? I think that's the thing. Uh, am I going to be on the hook for, you're not going to be on the hook. You're not going to be punished. You paying into it however we need to pay into it is something we all are doing because we, we, we acknowledge that this will make us all better as a collective. We do mm-hmm. have a very in- individualistic, and I guess that's a byproduct of capitalism. Well, it's a byproduct yeah. of a lot of things, but yeah. it hurts It hurts yeah. us in a lot, of, in a lot yeah. of ways because if you get sick and you kind of have that right. mindset, right. you know, what are you going to do? Right. I mean, you're, you're going to you're going to fight for yourself. But like there's right. there's you're putting up barriers right. where if you did yeah. it together and you realize that, you know, health is a community effort, right. like you you make the barrier right. to getting better lower. Right. And I think that there are also like communities that suffer from certain ailments or have like uh maybe just chronic issues in terms of wellness, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so if you live in, like, a food desert, you're not going to have the best food options there. Ergo, then you might be, like, more diabetes or things like, like, I I can see communities all being impacted because they don't have access to the the right type of health care. And it's just a domino effect, Um, especially in impoverished communities or marginalized communities. Um, I can see that just going on and on. Let me ask this question then. Is there a racial justice analysis within this um, this call for Medicare for All? Like in, in your work, have you looked at the African-American community? I usually center African-American Gullah Geechee voices on this show. But, uh, Catherine, maybe you can speak to that. Like what have you done to reach out to the black community about this? Well, I was going to say first yeah. that in the legislation that's in Congress, okay, yeah. in both of the bills, there um included is not just covering everyone Mm. right Mm -hmm. but we're going to rethink how we cover Mm. uh, everyone right and so there are a lot of um, inequities that exist now that need to be remedied and it's actually there's a it's written into both of those pieces of legislation comprehensive that this is something people don't really talk about much Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, okay so that we can't just if 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 there's a community um Mm -hmm. uh if there's an african-american community that's rural let's Mm -hmm. say and the hospital has closed down because they weren't making enough of a profit. Oh, right? because of Nikki Haley. But go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you brought up, you brought I'm her up just, again. Oh, man. My bad. Trigger. <laughs> not, go ahead. I'm sorry, Catherine. Go ahead. Um, I have to stop laughing <laughs> I know. First. I know. Um, uh, so 
we're going to look right. at that, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to get a hospital there. Mm-hmm. Y- you okay. know, that's how this is going to work. Really? Yeah. So that's in the legislation in that's the proposed. In the legislation. There's like oh, money wow. set aside for that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I think in places like a South Carolina where there um where there have been closings, um where there were like uh, HIV AIDS epidemics uh, going on, um you know, and and no one really getting that care, we need to to stop the bleeding, stop the hurt in a lot of yeah. areas. Yeah. yeah, I mean we've lost four rural hospitals in the last ten years really? in South Carolina. Yeah, really? saying um Bamberg. Yep, Bamberg. I heard Marlboro. about Marlboro. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Two other places I'm I'm blanking on right, right. now, but right. like. You know, if you live in one of those areas and you need hospital care, right. guess what? You are going on a trip. Yeah, yeah, and and then that's the and there there was a a, a documentarian I met um, like a, over a month ago, and he studied a community I think in Georgia had one traveling medical professional. I think it was a doctor, not a nurse practitioner, but this entire county had one person. Mm-hmm. She and she treated the entire county and uh, and I'm just in this rural and, it's, and it was a mix of black and white and it was like is this the future of healthcare for people who just are like working class people because we know what the wealthy'll do. Yeah. They'll travel for their healthcare or they'll just have it brought to them. Yeah, I'm fearful of that. Yeah. And I think another thing that I think, you know, we're kind of talking about how healthcare and Medicare for all really, you know, addresses a lot of overlapping overlapping issues but i think we'd be remiss to say when we're talking about rural health care mm. and we got to talk about higher education and the cost of higher education because one of the reasons mm. that we don't have so many doctors in rural areas is because we've created a higher education system for medical professionals where they're kind of incentivized to go into extremely specialized areas mm. you know because that's where you're going to make a bunch of money right and if you come out of medical school and you have tens hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical debt are, are you going to move to varnville south carolina <laughs> to try to make enough money to pay that back mm, no you're not no, and so no. it makes it it makes it hard to get care in rural areas. So one thing I would also want to throw in there is that like we've got to address. I'm so I'm so sorry. I had to when I get excited. Yeah. That, I don't think people think about the education part. Mm-hmm. I really okay. Keep, keep going. No, I'm, right. I'm just yeah. saying like we got to address the cost of education yeah. in this in yeah. this country. Yeah. And you know I I would think that ed, higher education should be totally free. Yeah, absolutely. And it used to be. In some instances, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in, I mean, yeah, free health, whatever. And some states have already started going back to that. Right. And I, I just think it's unsustainable. Like, I, you know, Navient is like, a, I don't even know what the heck is going on with Navient in my, I don't know, just the bill gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I don't understand at all. You're listening to Mic'd Up on OM 96.3 FM. We're broadcasting live from the workshop, uh, from workshop. And the own radio studios is inside workshop <laughs> here on 15, uh, 1503. Hey, you got somebody behind you. Slide the door. Is this Willie? Yes, this Uh-oh. is Willie. Okay. Hi, Willie. Hey, yeah, you can just get your seat. Um, yeah, we just, I just did some station identification. Uh, We're talking with uh, my friends Nick and Catherine and now Willie um, with uh, about Medicare for all and what that means. Willie, before you put on your headphones, can you make sure you just slide that door by, uh, all the way closed as possible? I appreciate you. Just here you go. <laughs> appreciate it. And uh, slide those on, and you should be able to hear yourself. I'm just going to let you know to just be, speak as directly into the microphone as possible um, when it's your time to go ahead and chat in there. Wait, let me make sure I got the right headphone on. You want four? Can you say something, Willie? <laughs> yes, what you want me to say? Okay, that's it. Hi, what's your name? Willie Leggett. And what's your position, or your how should we identify you? 
uh, lead organizer, Deb, for Medicare for All South Carolina. Okay, all right. So, so the next question I'm going to ask um, was about uh, you mentioned legislation, Catherine. Um, I wanted to know, have you been keeping an eye on, like, the recent movements around, um, and may not be as related, you let me know, Henry McMaster, uh, the low income, like, the restrictions on Medicaid for adults or work work requirements. Does your group, you you made a a gesture as well, Willie. Do you have anything to say about it or? or? Well, I mean, it it, it let us know the importance of of national policy to deal with health care. Yeah. It let us know that... um, it has to be uh, universal, right? And and require mass constituency, and, and those attacks uh, will not take place. And so where where do you re- live currently? Are you Orangeburg. So you're from born and raised, or yeah, okay. well South Carolina, South born, Carolina born and raised. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's how important is it for you to to kind of uh, have folks like Willie um, as part of the team from South Carolina? Uh, it, extraordinarily important. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm the only one who, who's not from <laughs> right. South Carolina. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've got we've got. I think we're up to 49 folks around oh, the state working. Amazing. Yeah, working. I didn't know this at all. Yeah, we need to have more coffee, Nick. I know. I know. I, he and, and to Nick's to Nick. All fairness to Nick, always communicative, always reaching out. And I'm just like he probably sees me leave him on red and thinks that I'm being a jerk. We're all I, busy. I get no, it. No, <laughs> no. But some things deserve. Um, yeah, I give a lot of craziness energy, and I could really have a cup of coffee with you, and, and we can start talking about this stuff. But yeah, so so it's good. To, it's really good to see that, right? And I I know and trust and really believe in Nick, and I and I know if you're recruiting from you know Willie from Orangeburg, I know how important that is. Um, so yeah, so there's been a lot of attack on healthcare in this state. Yes. Probably why you want to build out here. Yeah, and yeah. Because yeah. at the beginning we were talking about yeah we're here yeah. partly because uh, it's an early primary, yeah. right? And and we want to impact the presidential campaign definitely, yeah. right. right? And and you've already seen in every debate Medicare for all has been discussed, yeah. right? But also. South Carolina is one of only 14 states mm. that refuse to take federal right. funds to expand Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act, right? Nikki Haley. And <laughs> and so Sorry, wh- that's it. Willie's point <laughs> yeah. is if yeah. you can't get it done right. at the state level, right. then you know it's another reason that this state in particular needs Medicare for all. And Willie, so what do you do? Like, what what is your job? Like, how do you advance this message of Medicare for all? How do you do it in Orangeburg? Well, I do it in Orangeburg and, and other other counties. Oh, and yeah, okay. Yeah. Part, part of what I do is um, presentations. I have a, a traveling PowerPoint presentation oh, cool. that I give to um, various groups from a presentation of 85 people maybe wow. at Brooklyn Baptist Convention Center uh, right. yesterday. Oh, wow. Went down to Sellers, South Carolina, did a presentation to about eight people at the town hall and cellars so yeah i've done one at the barbershop in orangeburg oh wow (laughs) so are are people receptive to you when very very much so you know i have powerpoint will travel and 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 and, and people have asked a lot of questions they uh they tell their stories and i i think people be be surprised the way people are responding to this And, and for most people it's not problematic about Medicare mm-hmm. for all, and healthcare is so important to all of us. And most people you talk to in South Carolina, most of the people I'm talking to, mm-hmm. either um, they have family members or friends or themselves have had to deal with serious, uh, and maybe not so serious, uh, medical problems. Uh, a minister in Marion County said, well, you know, like some of his um, 
members can't afford to have a cold. Right. That's and, oh wow, that's and, powerful. Yeah. So I mean, you know, this is this is a real issue for people, right. and uh, I think it's probably one of the most dishonest discussions that we see politicians engage in. We were saying that how that that's why I, I hope that this demystifies it and like takes that whole boogeyman element and make it sound like it's something from the Cold War, some vestige of a uh, some Soviet uh, whatever propaganda. <laughs> but so, how did you get involved? Like, how did you? How do you think you came to the conclusion that, hey, I, I actually want to listen to Medicare for All? Was it through any one one thing or you just? Oh, well, I mean, I signed this contract about 40 years ago. I mean, in other words. Are you serious? Well, oh. in terms of my politics. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. No, that's uh, important because people don't think that they, they, I think, and then I'm just going to speak candidly, that maybe black folk vote and, and act and think as a monolith, right? Or 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 like they're not as. I I this is I don't think I don't perpetuate this narrative, but I think the the misconception is that we don't think about these things in nuanced ways. You said so forty years ago you Well mm-hmm. what I mean by that, mm-hmm. you know, um Providence an undergrad so I guess okay. that's a little longer than forty years. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've also seen myself engaged in, in, in uh leftist politics that okay. that go to the fundamentals about the uh Class inequality in American society, and oh, so, important. so Medicare for all is just part of that. Right, uh, you, it's never been foreign to you. I know. I mean, right. um, yeah, no, it hasn't. Yeah, I think, and and yeah. I think I think yeah. that the um, um, black politics is <coughs> probably more complex than, yeah. than people want to acknowledge. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, A. Philip Randolph, yes, and Dr. There you go. Yeah. And and there's been a long tradition of. Democratic socialists in, in, uh, engaging in right. black politics. Yep. So it's not like this is something yeah. um, new among black people. It, the uh, mainstream groups have been able to uh, right. dominate and kind of set the agenda. Um, but these, these other folks have been there and, and have influenced um, right. what we know of mainstream politicians um, engaging. Um, right. Uh, yeah. Ron Conyers introduced uh, Health Care Bill in, in yeah. 71, 72 or That's something. Right. That's I, right. I just forgot about that. Right. Yeah. Tremendous strides have been made. And I think that's the thing. We're, we're having this conversation at this, at this level. It just, like, we need that. Um, we need to heighten the level of discourse in and around this because people want this. This is they not yeah. something foreign, um, especially when you talk about labor unions. Um, yeah, Nick, you had something you wanted to say? I, I didn't know if you did. Oh, oh no, no, okay. no, no. I didn't no. know if you were like, huh, I like the pontificate. <laughs> 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 All right, well, you're listening to Mike Up on OM, your nonpartisan nonprofit radio station. Uh, we're talking about uh, Medicare for All. We're demystifying it. We're, we're unpacking it, and we're having a – this is one – I'm, I'm going to be real with you. This is actually one of the most enlightening conversations I've ever had on this microphone. Um, so, and I, I'm – Wish, oh man, we got like <laughs> we got like ten ten minutes left. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I want to talk more. Let me ask you this. So, uh, you mentioned um, you know the primaries here, right? So, and and earlier you mentioned that um, I guess you, it's not on the ballot per se. Like it won't be on the like people go to vote early. I see you voted today, Nick. Mm-hmm, I did <laughs> early absentee. You know, I'm in person absentee voting. Um, but but when do you hope for this people to see this on a ballot, or will that happen in South Carolina, or, or are you working to get it there? I'm trying to understand how people can like how well, can they sign up for it, or or yeah. 
We're asking people to take a pledge to vote for candidates who strongly That's support right. okay. Medicare for All. Okay. Right? And so in the presidential, in the Democratic uh, presidential primary, right. we have a scorecard. If you go to okay. Medicare for All South Carolina on Facebook, okay. you can see our scorecard. And we are a, a nonpartisan yes. uh, organization that does not endorse candidates. Right. But we can offer voters information about where candidates stand on various issues. Okay. okay? Yes. And I love the scorecard. They, I think more groups need to use that mm -hmm. as a way, again, not to get behind a candidate, but get behind more of the issues. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. And then we need to pressure our members of Congress to sign on to the legislation that's that's in Congress right now. Okay. Right? And that's what you said earlier, is sitting mm -hmm. in Congress. So mm -hmm. what what's happening with that? There are there's a bill in the Senate and that one is was introduced by um, Senator Sanders. Mm -hmm. um, uh, another right. candidate who uh, supports that bill right. is um, Senator Warren. Right. And then there's a bill in the House of Representatives that was introduced by Pramila Jayapal from Washington mm -hmm. State. Yeah. And um, she is collecting um, co-sponsors. Wow. And it's growing, um, you know, all the time. Uh, okay. People jumping on the bill. And But we need to get... You know, we need to get more. So people can start lobbying their member of Congress. Their member of Absolutely. Congress. Mm -hmm. Do we know locally any members of Congress that have been receptive? <laughs> there are none Bueller. on the bill at this Bueller. time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shucks. What do you mean? Wait, no members of Congress. We have a Democrat. Ooh, I'm, okay. Oh, uh, uh, let me stop. Okay. We're talking. <laughs> I'm horrible. <laughs> I'm going to get my, it's not my guest. It's me that's going to get in trouble. Um. Right, I'm gonna just switch primarily to bad my, influences here. Yeah, no, I'm horrible. <laughs> We're talking to the uh, my great guest from the Deb Jones. I pulled it up so I can read the name, Deb's, right? Yeah. Deb's Jones Douglas Institute. I want to go back to the name again. We talked about Mother Jones. Mm -hmm. Some other names up in there. Mm -hmm. So Douglas, who's that named after? That's Frederick Douglas, what? a great abolitionist. My homie. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, I wear I wear that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I wear the T-shirt. Here, uh, it's a big T-shirt, like black and white, and everyone says, "Is that Albert Einstein?" I'm like, "Are you oh, kidding me?" Wow. <laughs> and it's huge, Nick. I'm gonna wear it one day. I had it for years, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" It's like, should I know who he is? I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You should. And, and his yeah. and his, you know, probably most famous line: "Power concedes nothing without demand." That's exactly what we're all about, yeah. right? We're saying, uh, you know, the health insurance industry has too much power, and so we're much. demanding. That, yeah. that they let go of it. Right. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so Willie, you said you've been engaged in this fight for, uh, for quite a while. So what other ways do you engage outside of presentations and PowerPoints? <laughs> how else do you engage? Do you yourself lobby lawmakers or do you deal more with the people? I, d <laughs> I deal more with the people. Okay. I mean, part of, well, uh, Catherine mentioned yeah. the, the pledge cards. So, yeah. so part of that is I, um, help organize people to, to go, go out mm -hmm. and, and canvas and get um, the signatures. Okay. So the other full disclosure, I mentioned I did personally endorse a candidate for president, but also I am the state coordinator with Black Voters Matter, and that's something like I'm actively working on ways to engage people more. Um, so I'm just going to offer this. Um, my, my boss did text me. I'm sure I probably just owe him something, um, like, <laughs> a, like some sort of report. But I would like to just <laughs> say, like, if Black Voters Matter could ever, like, Align because I think there's an alignment there in terms of trying mm -hmm. to return power to the people as opposed to just hey, just show up and vote and delivering whatever electorate to whatever party. Mm -hmm. I think we really need to um, empower people to, to advocate for themselves and know what they want 
So the pledge cards are something you you could. Ca- so is it a physical card? Really? Yes, yes, yeah. it's a physical yeah. card. Uh, what is it? Uh, eight by eight? Is that it? Something like okay. that. Okay, a half a sheet. Really? Right. Okay, yeah. it's a card, and so people sign it, and then you mail it off. And well, what we hope to do uh-huh. um, uh-huh. is collect thousands. Uh, we have uh, probably over seven thousand now, close to it, okay. and get a, a large boxes and may may. Um, yeah take them to a Congress office or okay. a press conference mm-hmm. or it is indicative of the support for Medicare for all right. in South Carolina. I understand. Right like it looks like, yeah, I definitely want to see support behind mm-hmm. this initiative. Uh, yeah, Nick. Well, I'll say, mm-hmm. just jump off that, you mm-hmm. know, we might have several thousand of these physical cards. Right. But if anyone who's listening knows how canvassing works, yeah, 7,000 signups is tens of thousands of conversations wow. with individual voters. Yeah. And right. A lot of those voters are in rural South Carolina. Right. Right. Yeah, I wanted to ask if any of you can jump into this. What is the strategy for rural America? Because actually that's where I've trained my focus with Black Voters Matter. I know it's sexy to go to Columbia and Rock Hill and all that other stuff like that. But I actually I found myself this whole week just constantly going back down to a small community in Hilton Head. Like, how do you reach out to community? Anyone can answer that, like rural communities. Well, one of the um, strategies that we have used mm-hmm. is contacting uh, local officials on the city council, okay. county council. We have uh, a mayor mm. uh, working with us, uh, and out of that, um, I'm I just scheduled a a uh, presentation in a little small community named Rains mm. that I'm from that has one red light. Oh wow! And that's new. Yeah. And oh wow! <laughs> 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 I caution and yeah. and they maybe a few years ago replaced. Um, uh, Mr. Smith, local family store <laughs> with uh, Dollar General. Oh wow! So that tells you how small the place is. Yeah. But but we're going going you know, rural, urban, yeah. barbershop, churches, community centers. Uh, um, yeah, just getting out clubs. there. Clubs. Yeah, yes. word of mouth probably helps out a lot too. I'm but learning. Yeah. I mean, it's important to 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 reach people that that not normally reached, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And talk to people that we don't normally talk to. I like one. that. Yeah. And, and they appreciate that as well, right? So, so as, as numbers, this is just, I'm actually being a little self-indulgent with this question, Catherine. So do you look for communities that are like, really populated because I've, I've had i'm having this philosophy i'm having this debate with um with, within my workforce like i like to target the small forgotten towns i think there's power in that uh, i think there's a lot of work there and maybe the numbers don't pop on a on a map or anything like that but what do you how do you feel about these smaller communities i absolutely <laughs> agree with you I, I think that folks feel ignored in yeah. some of those places and and like willie said they actually really appreciate that yeah. that willie would travel from orangeburg to that, give a presentation to happened. 30 people yeah. and you know willie keeps <laughs> calling me and saying um yeah, well, that church only actually held 40, but it was, you know, we packed in 50, wow. and it wasn't just the church members, but they had told their neighbors, and, yeah, you know, so yeah. I think that's the way, and again, yeah. we were talking about this <laughs> earlier, but the, the, the folks that Willie's talking about, we're, we're calling them ambassadors mm. in the local community, wow. right? So wow. this is somebody who is known and respected, right? And they're working with us to organize these things, and... I just think that, you know, we really hit on something there, right. you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, other people have done it, too. But no, you know what I mean. No. It's just sort of, yeah. it's um, it's that trust again, mm-hmm. you know. Um, right. And people need a, 
a space where they feel comfortable asking questions right. and and all of that. And yeah. I think that's what that's what you've been encountering, right? Right. Really? And and I think it's important uh, adding to what mm-hmm. Catherine just said. Mm-hmm. What I didn't expect mm-hmm. is I I went to a small church in Florence, mm-hmm. and by f- uh, seven or eight white Trump voters were there. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, they came knowing what the discussion was about, but also so it's important, uh, it, it kind of shows these relationships that we don't acknowledge, particularly people who perceive themselves right. on the left, right? right? So right. so nobody would have expected in this small right. church in Florence right. that I'm there giving a presentation and engaging seven or eight Trump voters. Mm-hmm. And after the presentation, um, I had to extend the conversation about 20 minutes with with one of those voters that mm-hmm. that showed appreciation for what we were doing. Absolutely. So so this is you know it's, it's important to talk to people who have normally talked to and go places that we you. we don't normally go. Let me tell you I had breakfast um in a small at a small diner in Monk's Corner this past weekend and um we just picked it randomly like okay there's there's a place called Howard's and and we went in there and I would say the feel of the room was conservative saw some hats and um at first i was like i don't know and had conversation right and 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 i'm like you know what <laughs> you sometimes it's just about that not saying with everybody because there's some you know whatever radical or whatever but i had a conversation i had many i had some good really connection points there of on a humane humane level yeah and i think that's where um when you weren't here willie before you arrived i talked about really just getting out the noise of cable news and 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 some of the other type of mainstream media and just really have a really nuanced conversation about this and i really want to thank you all um before i dismount I'm working on my dismount because uh, sometimes I just run out the clock. Uh, <laughs> um, wh- how can people engage with you? How can people learn more about Medicare for All? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> my local dude right here. You can you can um, you can always find us on Facebook. It's mm-hmm. um, Medicare for All South Carolina, mm-hmm. and we are um, with the Debs Jones and Douglas Institute. So you can find either of those on right. on the on the web. You know, but people really want to engage right. with this stuff. Right. You know, if you find yourself, you know, thinking about Medicare for all and, and, and finding that you, you, you see that there's a lot of support and that you realize that it's going to help everybody. Right. You know, one thing you can do is really, we've got this primary coming up. Go talk to your friends. Go talk to your neighbors. Go talk to your coworkers, church members, everybody you know, and just try to kind of cut through like what you were saying that cable news yeah. you know or that bubble nonsense. or whatever yeah. bubble we're in whatever social media bubble we're in yeah yeah and then start having some real conversations thank you for encouraging that and you and i full disclosure we'll be working together on hopefully oh, yeah. working to lift each other's message up Catherine, anything you want to leave folks with uh, just thanks for having us on today. This oh. was a great conversation. It really was. And it was a great I last really minute. Enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> but really I really enjoyed it. Thank it. you. Thank you so much. And Willie, would you like to leave folk with something? I just become Medicare for all voters. Okay. Well, thank you all. And yeah, we're gonna. Um, I always say something when I leave. I was like, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm talking to my Gullah Geechee folk, um, my black folk. Y'all stay black and stay well. Stay stay healthy.